Hello and welcome to the Crypto Explorer, a podcast by Signum Bank, designed to bring you closer to the world of crypto and to the future of finance. I'm your host, Alia Dasgupta, and today I'm going to be speaking with Julien Bouderlou, who is dialing in from France, I believe, and Graham Nelson, who is Signum's resident degen. A pleasure to be speaking to both of you today. Very excited for the conversation we're going to have about uh, yield farming and why it might be an interesting thing for everyone to explore. Uh, but before before we dive into it, maybe let's just have a quick round of introductions. Um, Julian, would you like to go first? Um, hi. So first, uh, thanks for uh, having me. I watched the previous episode and it's very great, uh, very great initiative and uh, uh, very good content. Uh, so yeah, my name is... Uh, is Julian Butelou, and I've been um, in the space for quite some time, early in, um, in the Bitcoin, in the Bitcoin space, and then uh, Ethereum uh, ecosystem, and uh, and now more uh, into uh, DeFi and everything that is touching uh, crypto in general. Perfect. And uh, Graham? Yeah. Hey, I'm Graham. I also got maybe not too as early as uh, Julian to crypto, but uh, <laughs> I'm sure I started around 2016 when... My background is mainly traditional finance, uh, worked a few years there, but I was mainly doing blockchain stuff with the traditional finance, building custody solutions, and then moved to Switzerland, continued doing custody for institutions for crypto, and then moved over to Signum to be the, I guess, the resident DGEN, <laughs> as a, now that I'm being referred to, the new name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Cool. Um, I mean, I don't want to ask both of you when you got started in crypto or how you got started, because the story is very, very long ago. And but maybe I mean, we... still, still really, still really early days. So for the for this uh, uh, disruption, so yeah, yeah, no, of course that's true. But uh, maybe we start dive already into the main topic for today. So maybe Julian, could you give me a really simple explanation of uh, what is yield farming and Let's go from there. Yeah, so um, uh, yield farming in, in, in decentralized finance, uh, so DeFi is where you are incentivized to put liquidity in in different uh, different uh, DeFi uh, products. Mm-hmm. So, for example, if you provide liquidity into a lending market uh, such as Aave or an auto market maker like uh, Curve. What the protocol will do, they will incentivize you to not leave the protocol. And depending on how much liquidity you provide into that protocol, you will earn rewards. And those rewards are usually in in the inflation, uh, usually quantified in the inflation of the protocol. And what yield farming across this industry, what yield farming will do, they will tend to jump between different protocols that are providing them with the best API. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's why you have a rush on a protocols level and also different projects that are trying to provide the best API and trying to put those APYs to 150% or 200%. And what we recently seen in across different bonds uh, projects where those APY are really, really, really high. Mm-hmm. Um, and how they pay those APY? It's, um, uh, as I mentioned, um, 99% comes from the inflation of the protocol. So the protocol is, is uh, minting mm-hmm. uh, uh, tokens. Uh, native tokens, and then they send those native tokens to the people that are providing the most value for them. But these native tokens then are also um, very much prone to the volatility of the market, right? Like you don't really have an idea of what you're earning, only in percentages of your initial um, liquidity that you've provided? Yeah, so 
you have like uh, protocols such as um, curve or like uh, stake down mm-hmm. and all the, like uh, uh, protocol where they do both. They provide uh, the API in uh, native tokens mm-hmm. plus uh, on top of it, um, you know, like native utility. For, for example, if it's a lending market, the fees from borrowing will go to the lenders. And those actually are intrinsic value because they quantify it as USD in US dollars. Mm-hmm. And for example, in Kirk, depending on how much volume you get into those different pool of liquidity uh, as a traders, uh, you will get 50% of the fees that are being charged on the top of those uh, uh, auto market making uh, trading. So for example, you get 50% of four bits. Uh, and then this is how we quantify it. So for example, if the, if the project is making um, curve, which is like a stable coin auto market maker, if it's making between 500 million US dollars and a billion US dollars a day, if it's charging five, uh, four bits on top of it, then you can actually make um, um, sometimes between 250, 500,000 US dollars, and those actually um, uh, amount of cash will go into people that are providing liquidity. And on top of it, mm-hmm. the protocol will also be, um, uh, issue a native token to make sure that those people don't leave the protocol. And don't go into <laughs> other yield farming products that are offering better yield, better, better APY. But yeah, it's true. Like those APY are usually quantified in native token, and depending on the uh, volatility of the market, mm-hmm. you might actually um, sometime uh, not get those huge APY. But they are uh, made in really high, so like hundred percent, fifty percent. So even if the, the protocol will need to collapse by two x. Uh, as um, uh, the, the token, in order for you to lose money over one year. But yeah, that's true. It's uh, it's quantified in, in in native assets. Interesting. Grammar's like that? No, I think Julian did a really good uh, job at explaining yield farming. I think you know yield farming is not too far away from what we do in the traditional finance space today. As if you know, a bank offers a better interest rate, you're moving your capital across where the best interest rate is, or or, or the, the lower custody fees and only where you where you hold your shares or securities. But obviously, it's given more power to the user, right, in the yield farming and the decentralized finance space. You're in full control of where you want to move the funds to, how you want to move them across, mm-hmm. and what yield farm based on the APY. And you can move it if there is a better APY somewhere else. And mm-hmm. uh, it really is in the context of farming, right? You're just trying to farm the most yield you can out of your assets, moving sure. it across. Sure. I mean, I mean, so... Most people kind of approaching the space might have an idea that, ah, okay, so there's like a lending pool, I put some like of my USD into this, and maybe I earn a better percentage than I would earn in my bank account, right? But as I understand, yield farming can actually get way more complex than this. And there are many protocols such as, you know, Convex and StakeDAO that are out there doing much more complicated things, and therefore also with much higher APYs. And maybe a, a simple lending pool, yes, okay, I kind of understand that, but the next step further, what's what's step two in the journey? <laughs> yeah, I think, uh, I think as mentioned like before, uh, DeFi is just basically replicating what traditional finance used to do. All the different products that we're building are almost all the same. The difference right now is the technology, uh, is the stack, the, the protocol stack, how those things can actually be accessible by anyone and built by anyone. Also, uh, the profits that the protocols are making are actually 100% distributed back to the uh, LPs, so the people that are providing liquidity. I mean, in traditional finance, uh, people <laughs> are providing liquidity to a bank, they usually like don't get 
uh, they get less than 1% from what the money is making for the bank. But then on top of it, because you have a very complex products that are being built, we mentioned auto market maker, we mentioned lending market, but now we have options, we have futures. As, meant, as I said, all those different products are from traditional finance. We're basically copying them and then deploying them in decentralized finance. But then the difficulty is for users to... Uh, retail don't actually... Um, and they don't necessarily understand those different concepts and they don't really understand how to use the different protocols. Mm -hmm. So projects such as uh, Convex, TechDAO, Yearn, or whatever, uh, what they're doing, they're actually building strategies that will try to either auto-balance across different yield farming strategies, across different protocols that are providing those different APIs. For example, like uh, a project that recently uh, came on the market that is building a stable coin like Engo, uh, mm -hmm. those guys are now providing incentives for pushing people into the pool of euro so then they can mint euro mm -hmm. and with collateralization in US dollars and other assets. But for joining those different products is quite difficult. And then at the same time, what you want for the users is you want to build strategies where on the long term or medium term, they don't lose, uh, they don't lose capital. So what you can do, you can build like systems such as options or futures where they can either hedge themselves and at the same time, leverage the positions. So what we're building is like a building a strategy that will try to automate the entire pipeline from depositing those assets into different DeFi protocols and then compounding over time. And those users don't actually need to understand what's going on as a technological stack. Mm -hmm. And they also don't need to understand what are the different manipulation that they need to do on a, on a daily basis, on a weekly basis. For example, like harvesting, earnings, or... And also because we pull all the capital into one pool, mm -hmm. it's usually cheaper for the user to use those strategies because what we do is like we only send the fund when we have enough capital and the transaction where we pay, for example, a thousand US dollars or 500 US dollars for a transaction, the transaction cost, well, this 500 US dollars is divided by the amount of capital that we pull in the same place. So for the user, it's completely transparent and it's cheap. I mean, cheap, depending <laughs> on which network you're talking. Right now, mainnet, Ethereum is really for big, for wealth and people that have um, uh, 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 often a lot of capital because uh, transaction costs between 50 and 100 US dollars. So it's yeah. not like for uh, small depositors. But now we're moving into layer two into different blockchain where it's easier. Cool. Yeah, I think um, I think the biggest, you know, it goes to what I think we were going to talk about, what we want to talk about. It's just what Julian's talking about is, you know, we have the, Power users who Ms. Robbie are these guys who invest in stake DAO strategies or convict strategies or yearn strategies. You have the DGENs who maybe do it themselves because they believe that they want to be in more control and want to pay the, the fees away. But then you still have the retail users. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think that's the biggest challenge you have today is how are these retail users entering into the market? Even, even convex to a, or staked out to a retail user is still difficult to use because they need to download MetaMask or, or use a ledger. Mm -hmm. um, you know, store seed phrase somewhere. Mm -hmm. um, and this whole setup is, is quite high cost. It's quite complicated for somebody who doesn't understand it. And getting access to these yields is quite difficult for that kind of user. Yeah. And I think there's still a huge gap in the market there in terms of how to bridge that world to, to like, let's say, bring the power users and DJs, also the retail users into that, into that world to get access to these yields. Because the strategies are there and they're doing it in traditional finance. Mm -hmm. um, 
but they'll obviously want more yield on their assets, and mm-hmm. but they can't do it because for them, downloading MetaMask and a seed phrase and, and moving funds across is just too complicated. It's just not there for them yet. Yes, uh, that's exactly what I think. We're the only one, um, I mean, say down on the market that I've tried to make it super easy for retail. So we don't ask. They can log in using email, and then the entire thing is processed using like. Um, uh, cloud HSM or like using a, a, other, a way of storing the keys in a decentralized way. But we build an academy, we build um, a platform for people learning about all different ways of accessing DeFi. And if you look at Stakedown, you can connect to email, you can buy assets, you can sell assets, and you can also invest in those different strategies. But we don't use like those very complicated terms uh, like um, CRV and all these like 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 those long walls that mean that you deposit in such an LP and then you get this token. We're trying to really abstract the complexity of uh, of DeFi for uh, normal users, and that's mm-hmm. what uh, the uh, Stakedown was built for as a retail because yeah. of Stake Capital. Stake Capital was providing services to institutions and and businesses, and then retail was asking, how can we join uh, DeFi? How can we join those different projects? And I agree that. Uh, Retail, what we're talking about is retail being using re, uh, DeFi at the moment, not really retail. It's more actually developers, mm-hmm. more people that are, the learning curve is pretty high. Yeah. And as soon as they get into it, they, they represent a portion of population that I, don't, I wouldn't call retail. <laughs> the retail are people that will use a banking system, will use an application, a mobile app, and they will not actually need to understand what is blockchain, what is crypto, and then will just apply it to different products that give them return of investment or specific features and returns. Yeah. I'd be really interested to get your point. Uh, the market's crazy at the moment. There are hundreds or thousands of uh, DeFi apps popping up right across multiple chains, layer 2s. How does a user now navigating this world know who to trust? Where do they go? Like, What is your opinion on how you navigate crazy APYs versus uh, actual <laughs> security and safety uh, and Let's say like StakeDAO is known in the market, but you know there might be one tomorrow that's offering ten thousand APY on your ETH. Uh, so that's obviously attractive. How do you navigate? Yeah, that? I mean that's um, <laughs> uh, that's what we created. Wrecked, uh, wrecked. Uh, that news. Yeah. It's uh, it's uh, underground, dark um, uh, side of of DeFi where we investigate. Um, all the different exploits and things that are happening in a DeFi space. And we're trying to provide the users uh, awareness and also like for them to understand that DeFi might be attractive, and uh, but a, a huge proportion of, of DeFi is is risky because it's a wide, wide west. And uh, all those projects that are popping up with huge APY, 90, 90% or maybe 99% of, of those because it's so many projects that I would say they are fraud, uh, a scam, and they they, they, they will harm users. Yeah. So I think it's very important for users that they um, try to uh, look at who's behind the project, but not like some fake uh, profile pictures on the, on the landing page, but really like um, investigate, go to Twitter account and see who's backing up the project who's involved with the project. And then if the project, if you're given like huge APY for no reason, that's probably because someone is trying to play you. So it's, uh, it's a world that is not regulated, uh, that is not regulated. It's like the, 
back then in the 80s when the beginning of traditional finance. And then this is exactly what we're currently uh, experiencing. Uh, regulation will uh, will catch up at some point. But right now, yeah, it has to, people have to, uh, look at reg.news, look at all the um, platforms that are trying to teach how to basically get involved in DeFi and also use products that have been here for quite some time. It's uh, it's not necessarily like 100% uh, a way of saying that the project is secure, but if the project is holding uh, 500 million, a billion US dollars assets, and has been moving uh, into the space with maximum security and not uh, necessarily uh, just trying to be the first one and trying to be uh, the most uh, shiny one, uh, then you should stick to it because it's better to uh, get in, like for example, like get into a strategy that is doing the job, is making those rewards, is making those APY, and then for the long term, you will win rather than trying to chase uh, short term cash grab or greediness because at some point you will get wrecked and then it will be really painful. Yeah, I mean, that's a really interesting point, right? Like uh, both, both those topics that you kind of covered because on one side, um, a lot of the user journey is still quite technical. And like you're saying, there are some um, tools out there that are making it easier, but I would argue... Uh, it's being made easier by from the lens of someone who is a pure degen, which means it might not be as easy as you think it is. <laughs> and then, on yeah. the, and and carrying forward from that, also in terms of having these sorts of more trustworthy news news sites, like of course, like you mentioned, Rekt, or um, I think there's Crypto Panic that a lot of the people in the space are using. These are still not really uh, sources that are well-known outside of the DGEN community. And I think finding this bridge is kind of the the key to bringing this mass retail inflow. Um, how, how do you see this potentially happening? Well, I think, um, you know, we've discussed it at Signum quite a bit. And, you know, Signum is the first digital asset bank, right? We did the custody for, let's say, one of the first banks to do crypto custody. And so obviously we have all the assets under management, and really to give our clients now access mm-hmm. to these yield markets. And, you know, our clients maybe are DJing some of them, but some of them also just bought into the crypto market because they wanted potentially just to do some investments. And so I think we really have the opportunity to make something really easy and simple to use for our clients. Yeah. Um, that, that's the plan. Mm-hmm. It's just how we can move, remove the entire complexity from the client to sort of bring it in something that they're familiar with. Mm-hmm. And they're looking to earn a yield on their assets. Mm-hmm. And maybe that expands to more advanced use cases. But I think we'll grow with our clients as they start to learn more about the space and have a demand for different products in that space. Sure. Uh, right now, uh, we're talking to, I mean, the people that are involved in DeFi are 1% of people that have uh, knowledge of how to use them uh, very well, um, uh, internet and and try to understand like MetaMask and all these different, uh, different mm-hmm. things. Mm-hmm. But I, I truly believe that um, uh, a company like like you guys are doing, uh, Signum, will basically be the one that can bridge billions of, of users in, in the coming years because uh, the banking industry it's where uh, retail on a daily on a daily day they can they can expand spend. Uh, capital buy stuff and, and leave uh, leave on a, on a daily basis. So it will be the only way for for this uh, society to actually jump into into blockchain industry. And then, um, having said that, what we're trying to do, and I think I was one of the first one to mention this like a couple months ago uh, <laughs> last year. But what's happening now in DeFi is what I call uh, layer three, mm-hmm. and and layer three is uh, the concept of. Because now we are like a layer one main main application main, uh, main blockchains, 
And then layer two, where uh, you have like all those layer two, like a, um, a blockchain uh, being built on top of, for example, Manic on Ethereum. But the, the complexity right now is like, how do you jump between different blockchain, different applications, mm-hmm. for example, for, for speed, for uh, privacy, <laughs> uh, for interoperability. Um, and then those different things is very complex. I mean, you have to spend a lot of money in bridges. You have to spend like, you have to monitor all the different assets across all the different blockchains. So what we're doing is like, we're actually getting into this metaverse of all many different blockchains. And in each of those different blockchains, you have different applications, lending market, auto market maker, option futures. And those different things are soon we'll be able to talk to each other. So what's happening is now we have projects that are building on top of it, where you will, as a as a as a client or as an institution or as someone that is building a DeFi project, they will just need to communicate to an API, and then the API will just talk to all those different uh, blockchain and different applications. But as a user, you will never actually know if you found uh, on that specific blockchain, such as Solana, Ethereum, Polkadot, uh, uh, Avalanche. And then you will just be like, okay, I want to access a landing market with that specific percentage. I want to do a, a, a swap of different assets. And this will just be like on the front end, it will do, it will do the job. But then behind the scene, uh, you will have many different, uh, uh, it's like um, a DEX aggregator, such as Paraswap, but it will be built for the entire uh, application side. Yeah, I fully agree with that. I think if you look at it today, if you use your online banking, you don't know if it's React or Angular or um, Java backend or, <laughs> you know, Go backend. You just use the application and, the, sure. and, and at the end of the day, the experience should just be seamless to you. You just care that uh, mm-hmm. you put an input in and you get the output as expected back out. And I, and I, I agree with the same with Julian. That's view is that I think in a year, two years, Maybe sooner we'll see this cross-train world where as a user, you're just interacting like an API or an, a straight application and the liquidity is managed for you across multi-chain where the best yield is. Wow. And I think I'm pretty excited for that world. And I, and I think we're seeing guys like Ave who are focusing on cross-chain liquidity markets. And I think that will just grow. And I think Ave, you know, I think once Ave does it, many will follow, right? As we've <laughs> seen, as many have tried to copy Ave across multiple chains. And I think... Uh, yeah, I think there's a, it's a start and I think it's going to grow rapidly now over the next 6, 12, 18 months as more of these layer twos come into the market um, and the cheaper fees, right? That's, I think, the real hunt at the moment. Yeah, and also, and also what the, uh, for me, what's more uh, uh, exciting is um, the quantitative uh, aspect, uh, algorithmic trading mm. on all those different things because then it means, it means more arbitrage, more liquidations, and also for some people, more exploits and and then and, and finding all the different things. So I mean, this is the only way that we'll uh, with like arbitrage liquidation market maker exploit. This is the only way if we have a lot of different activity in those different verticals. This is the only way to bring um, safety into DeFi, and uh, sure. this will happen. Uh, even uh, we like it or not, this will happen. But yeah, it's exciting. And I mean, Aave, as you said, is going a little bit into separate, uh, working on different chains, but is this also like a larger trend that you're seeing with other applications? Yeah, at Curve, I, at Curve, we also like um, uh, uh, doing this, uh, uh, going uh, across, uh, across layers. It's uh, one of the uh, priority uh, that has been, uh, has been over the past, uh, past few months because mm-hmm. um, uh, DeFi is moving fast and uh, you have, uh, you have a different project, different blockchain in the industry, and then obviously 
uh, they all capturing different market shares and uh, they all have a different TVL. So not jumping into these different projects would be like pretty analyzed in, in the short or medium term. Yeah, I mean, it's really interesting that we're moving into this space where you said like we've got this multi-chain universe that's emerging and then also like these nicer front ends that enable more retail users to work with it even when there is, uh, especially because right now it's still quite, it requires quite a lot of technical know-how. But um, as these retail users even come in, how are they supposed to coexist with, I don't know, you know, the DGENs and the power users? Because these guys are interacting with the smart contract on a daily basis. Like, does a retail user like me have a chance with this? Or am I, I mean, wasting my time? I'll, I'll have a go, though. I mean, I think, <laughs> I think they will have a chance because, you know, if we look at traditional finance, to be able to do these kind of things, it's it's limited to like the trade finance desk, right? Or structured finance. And these are the guys who have access to the capital and do all the cool stuff in the market and mm-hmm. the traditional finance market. And as a retail user now, you know, you start on Aave, you deposit some funds and you get the A token derivative back. And now for some reason you can actually, well, not for some reason, but now you can actually use that A token in the, in the secondary market. You can go trade it. You can go and deposit it into Curve to earn additional fees associated with it. And so like the retail user will come in, they'll start on the one item and then they'll start to realize the additional use cases that are being done. And I think there's there's so much brain power in the market today that are tweeting about it, uh, that are writing articles, that are building products and services that the retail user can come in. And once they really get that foundation of setting up a hardware wallet and securing it, um, they can do it, right? And they'll mm-hmm. and they just got to start small, like we do with everything. You start small, and you start to really realize <laughs> the benefit of, of of what these products you can start to build, and and you start to realize you're doing exactly what traditional finance is doing, but you don't actually have access to the the markets to do it. Yeah, and yeah. and and that will just grow, and I think it'll take time. Yeah, um, but what's but, the potential for harm? Like, what's the risk involved for them? Like playing in the same field as someone who's an expert, you're you're a little bit placed a little bit riskily, you know. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's a it's a good question, right? And I think, but you got to navigate the risk, right? And obviously, yeah. the risk versus the reward. And, and and if you're going into Aave at four percent for USDC, the risk is relatively low for you to let's say get taken out by a DGen user. Sure. But if you start now using a more complex protocol or something that the yields a lot higher and maybe you don't understand, then the risk is right. I mean, that I guess it always goes to the fundamental. If you don't understand what you're doing or what you're investing and you shouldn't be doing it, um, and I think once you get understanding, then maybe that's how you protect yourself a bit more from the DGEN user. Um, but we all try and be, uh, let's say, risky <laughs> in its way, right? You see the, the yields. And I think uh, also getting wrecked is part of the learning curve. Uh, that's what I think. Is that, uh, that's what I've learned. To, when I've got wrecked, I've learned, I've learned more, right? Once you get wrecked, uh, you're a bit more wiser to, to what you've got to do. Right, and Julian, what do you think? I mean, I would say that if you have time to uh, learn and and understand uh, those different concepts, I would I would say this is like uh, like a a free school. Uh, It's um, a free uh, education, like 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 you learning if you have time and you you don't have a job on the side or even like on the evening or the uh, early morning, you can uh, <laughs> you go you navigate to all the different concepts that yeah. will reshape uh, society. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, obviously it depends. Like you have time, if you have energy, and you can spend. Some people don't have time to actually navigate to all the different things. Um, so if you have, and then I would I would suggest that you play with those different products on the ecosystem. 
And, and, then, and then if you don't, then you should probably uh, use uh, products and, and that are building on top of this economy and will make sure. And I mean, their priority is to bring uh, security um, and, uh, and, and, and then bring the best of what uh, DeFi can offer. So I really, uh, I really believe that it depends on your uh, risk appetite. Mm-hmm. It depends on if you have time to learn all the different concepts. Um, and then also, uh, it's really important that uh, obviously you should never um, invest money that you're not willing to lose uh, because uh, DeFi uh, is is uh, uh, pretty can be uh, 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 pretty dangerous. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> and and I think we're also in a position now much better where we were 12 months ago to actually do this right so like you know i would recommend to somebody maybe onboard onto polygon um and there you can play with 10 20 dollars if you wanted to um you, you know your transaction fees are really low and, and it's a nice environment where you can play around with all the applications you can put a small amount where a year ago maybe ethereum was ethereum was the only one that you could really use all the applications were there and it was too expensive as an entry mm-hmm. cost yeah. And that's what I think it's nice about these layer twos that are coming up. Mm-hmm. So it's really giving an option now for the retail users to come in at a really low cost on a transaction fee mm-hmm. and play with ten, twenty dollars, uh, which is it's much safer, right? You don't you're not making a twenty dollar trade on a Uniswap uh, and paying uh, five hundred dollars, for <laughs> instance. You're 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 doing a twenty dollar swap and it costs you a couple of cents. Yeah. Um, and I think it's also a good way to learn is using these layer twos and the lower fees to get access to it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, you you came ahead of my next question, which was <laughs> thanks, ma'am. Um, which is really to say that yeah, even if I wanted to go out and play in the market right now, it does cost me three hundred bucks just to make a single transaction, which is very much outside the retail um, appetite. But uh, you know, playing with layer twos, I think there's there's an opportunity there to at least, even if not access all of the products, at least to. Uh, get a taste of what it means to move your stuff around in the in the DeFi world and how the different sorts of um, yield products can work. But uh, Julian, what would your advice be to a person who's starting out tomorrow? They've got a hundred bucks. They go into Polygon. What should they do? <laughs> Doesn't have to be called Polygon, right? Maybe oh, uh, Polygon. Julian yeah, has yeah. another option for yeah. that. Sure, sure, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we have. Um, we have. Um, so you have now, uh, as as being mentioned before. You have now different way of participating in DeFi and not get wrecked on a <laughs> uh, gas cost. And uh, and this obviously it's outside of mainnet, it's outside of Ethereum, unfortunately, because Ethereum is still uh, migrating into proof of stake mm-hmm. uh, and then will offer uh, the same kind of scalability, uh, gas efficiency and, and, and other things on the side. But yeah, it's possible, uh, and uh, we're trying to do the best to provide this information to users. Uh, and um, yeah, that's it. Cool. No, I I think Julian answered it great, right? And and I think you know if a, cl- a customer or client can also get access or uh, entrance the space, I think some of the exchanges are building on ramps into mm-hmm. these layer twos. So if you're on, I don't know, I think it's like Binance or. Um, some of them you can deposit directly into their chain, like Avalanche. Um, that's also an easy opportunity for them to move in and get funds and start playing around with it. But I think that Julian says that you, yeah. things like StakeDAO, the Avalanche strategy, it's really easy for everyone to get into. Cool. This is a really good deep dive into it. And I think it's, uh, it's probably as much time as we have. Thank you both so much for joining me on the podcast today. 
um, for our listeners. Uh, if there's any nice topics that you think we should cover or someone who you think would be an interesting guest to have, please write in to podcast at signum.com. And until next time then, ciao!